All right, everyone, welcome back to SquaredCircleSirens.com. I'm Jose, and I have a very special interview for you guys. She's been seen on Rise. She's been seen at Empire State Wrestling. Please welcome Kate Carney to the site. How are you doing, Kate? Hello, I am very good. It's nice to, well, be here maybe isn't the right word, but to be talking with you. Yeah, well, it's great to have you on. I know there's been a lot going on lately, so hopefully we can catch everyone up on uh, what's been new with you. Yeah, absolutely. I've had I've had a lot of big big changes in the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So, yeah, uh, why don't we get things started at the beginning? Actually, so I uh, started actually wrestling in 2014. Uh, what was the training like uh, at the very beginning for you? Yeah. So, if you don't mind, I'm going to go back even a little bit further than that, just because I like to. Let's go ahead. I like to supply some context. Um, just sort of a fun fact about me. I actually didn't even know what professional wrestling really was huh. growing up. Um, I didn't watch any at all until uh, 2011. I think WrestleMania 32 might have been the or 27. I don't know. Uh, um, uh, yeah, it was 27. 27. 27. Yeah. So it was the first wrestling I ever saw in my life. Before that, all of my knowledge was just like, that's that thing Fezzik from The Princess Bride does or something, right? <laughs> like, that's yeah. it. That's all that I had. Um, but I was a cheerleader in, in college. My best friend on the team had this dream of being a pro wrestler. It was all he ever wanted to do. And, and he had me over for a WrestleMania party for WrestleMania 27. And, and then I, I sort of started watching it. And then over time, I got more and more hooked. And um, there was a wrestling school in Portland, which is where I'm from, Portland, Oregon, um, called DOA Pro Wrestling. And they had a company and a school. And, and he wanted to go check it out just you know, meet everyone and, and make sure it was sort of on the up and up before he, you know, assigned his life away to train to be a wrestler. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm from Portland. I'll go on that trip with you. And um, we went into the school to look around and immediately the head trainer walked right up to me and was like, hi, you're a girl and, and you look athletic. Do you want to try doing this? And I was <laughs> like, um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> sure. Why not? Um, and that was, that was Dr. Cleaver who ended up being my my head trainer for a very long time right. and I came back the next week and and gave training a shot and and I just had the most fun like <laughs> it was I'd been cheerleading for a while and dancing before then and I wasn't cheerleading anymore so I wanted to try something new anyway and and once I got past like the fear of the first couple of bumps I was like this is this is just the most fun thing I've ever done like I loved it so much well, I think it's also um, interesting you brought up the WrestleMania 27. So was it uh, Undertaker versus Sean, or, uh, Triple H or Snooki's handspring elbow that really solidified it? You know, I can tell you that Snooki is the reason that I was convinced to watch it. But <laughs> Undertaker versus Triple H is the reason that I, like, got into it. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean Snooki's wrestling? Okay, I'll come over. But then, because they, they were in a cage, right? Uh, no, this was uh, the year before they did Hell in a Cell. It was just them okay. at it for like a half hour. I know that there was something very aggressive with a metal staircase because yeah, that I was like a spine buster <laughs> off the steps into like. It was shocking to me. Oh, um, and I just kept like you know sitting closer and closer to the TV, and my reaction to like everything was I would just look back to my friends who had already been watching wrestling, and I would be like, "But they're still okay. Like everyone's fine." You promise? Wow, that's amazing. Like, the fact that it was showmanship was, for me, what made it so, so magical, was that it wasn't real to get myself in a little bit of trouble. <laughs> right. So, uh, going into it, so how long were you actually training before you got to your debut match? Only six months. All right. 
which I believe was not long enough (laughs) (laughs) for where I was, for where I was and, and how much sort of cultural capital about wrestling I had beforehand. I, I was, I had some catching up to do when I started training, right? People would be like, cool, do a suplex. And I'd be like, what is that? We have to, we have to back up a little. I've never heard of this move before. Right. (laughs) Um, and I think that, but the reason I ended up debuting, I was like a dark, dark match, right? Like we weren't being filmed, but I was a dark match anyway. They didn't even wait for people to be seated. It was like, doors open, here goes Kate. Um, <laughs> and I, I believe it's because we had a Royal Rumble style show that day. And all of the men from my training class were sort of getting their debut in that match. But they weren't sure if they wanted to have women in the Rumble. But I think that they didn't want me to not get to do something on the show with everyone that had been training for as long or even less time than I had. Right. Um, so I think they just sort of wanted to give me, give me something. Cause it was a couple of months before I got to do something again. <laughs> yeah. Cause I was going to so, say, I know like you, uh, we'll touch on some intergender wrestling a little later. Yeah. yeah. I had a nice series with uh, Mary Jane Payne. What was it like uh, working alongside her just starting out into the business? Oh, for like two years straight. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. One of one of my favorite things about having worked alongside her for so long is that it was a really good barometer of where we were both at in our wrestling skills. Because every time I would go off and do new things, I would then come back to this home promotion and wrestle her again. Um, so when I actually, when I was about, and I know we'll get here later, but when I was about to move out here to the East Coast, um, they gave me a little bit of say in what I wanted to do for my like farewell match. And I, I very specifically wanted to wrestle her for my last match at this company because she had been my first match at this company. And because I wanted to prove to myself how far I had come. And I just recently actually watched my very first match against her and then my last match in the company. And, and they're nothing alike. Like, I don't know that you can even tell that I'm the same wrestler in these two matches. So it was, it was really important to me, I think, to get to to wrestle alongside the same person for so many years on and off. Right, and it definitely shows your work ethic, too, to keep getting better in the ring, too, so that's awesome. And then to <laughs> uh, travel a little further up north to scenic Vancouver, ECCW, yes. which has mm-hmm. many legendary names in women's wrestling, uh, no short than looks like three or four WWE women's champions to hold their women's title. Uh, you were actually yes. in a title tournament. How was that experience? Oh my God, it was horrifying. <laughs> I was so new. Those were my very first matches outside of my like home company. And I remember asking um, one of the trainers, like, am I ready for this? And they were like, oh, absolutely not. But, like, you'll have to be by the end of it. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, especially if you're kind of running the bracket, too. So, Which I did not know ahead of time. Um, I walked in, like, ready to have my one match and leave. And, and they were like, nope. <laughs> nope, you're going you're gonna to keep, keep on going. And it was, it was really scary. Um, but I went on to have more matches later in my career with all of the women that I wrestled in that tournament that were significantly better than those matches, I think. Um, not that any of those were were horrible, but but I wasn't proud of them at the time. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, well, definitely starting out with Casey Spinelli, that's an established name in Canadian wrestling, too. So yeah. to start there and then keep working with her as the years progress, too. You definitely get to build more chemistry and see how far you've improved as a performer as well, too. Oh, and I could not be luckier than to have found a, a mentor in 
specifically women's wrestling, like Spinelli, I think. Um, I was really lucky that she sort of embraced me and, and welcomed me in and, and took me under her wing, especially um, later when we went down to South America together and worked there for, for months and months. We lived in the same room. Um, we could actually, I always say that we could hold hands from our twin beds. <laughs> so the fact that, that we got along and she really took an interest in me and, um, and valued me and wanted to help me get better was just monumental for my, for my wrestling skill. I think it just makes more sense to go into what you're doing down in Paraguay with Luchando and Las Americas. How did that opportunity yeah. come up? Oh my God, timing and luck, absolutely. Um, there weren't that many women in the Pacific Northwest area. Um, like you mentioned, there were a couple of, of names that would go on or had gone on to do big things already, which meant that they were less available for opportunities like this. Um, Chelsea Green was in the area, but she would be going on to do Japan and Tough Enough shortly. Um, Cat Power had just won their women's title, but she would be going on to Japan shortly. Nicole Matthews was in the area, but had such an established wrestling career in the area and with Shimmer already that, that a lot of people weren't in the position to just up and leave for six months. And I was just a, a college student that was sort of just getting started and sort of you know, put all my eggs in that basket and dropped out of school for a while and, and told my parents that I was going to move to South America to be on a wrestling TV show. <laughs> and That's I went for it. Really, right? Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm really fortunate. I told my parents in this sort of like, do you think it's a good idea? Like, I don't know, what should I do? I would have to leave school for a little while. Um, and they both really like to travel. And then my, uh, my stepfather, actually, his dream is to like travel and sail around the world and when I was talking to them about it, his for my stepdad, Christian, his first reaction was like, well, you have to go. Like, it's not a question as to what do you mean? Are you going to drop out of school and go? Of course you're going to drop out of school and go. Like, worst case scenario, we'll just buy, buy you a ticket home if it turns out there's no company. But you're going. And I was like, wow, you guys are the best. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you think of Latin American wrestling, you always think of, like, promotions in Mexico or WWR in Puerto Rico. But I don't think I've mm -hmm. ever really heard of Paraguay being a home for a wrestling show. Well, I can tell you I had not even heard of Paraguay before I lived there. <laughs> Um, but it wasn't really. They had a little bit of um, a small local wrestling scene, what we would here probably consider a, a low-level indie or maybe even something more akin to a backyard. Right. Um, but within that, they had a couple of really talented athletes, um, specifically Blas Benitez, who was running their school there. Um, and he was one of the locals that the person that was running our company was really in touch with and brought in to, to help foster this environment of inclusion because the, the person that ran the company, Joel Cherry, is actually a Canadian. He, he was living in Vancouver beforehand. That's how he met Scotty Mack and, and Drexel and all of these local Pacific Northwest folks. And that's how we sort of ended up getting tapped because he's been going to ECCW shows already and was like, well, I, I know that I like what these people can do. So maybe they can come help me make this happen here. So it was a few of us and then a whole bunch of local Paraguayans, some of whom had a little bit of wrestling experience, um, most of whom had none. We had some Brazilian jiu-jitsu folks, some um, other sort of MMA people, some people with no fighting or wrestling experience of any kind. And, and there was sort of this, well, show's going to air in a month, so get them ready. <laughs> 
Right. So going into it, did they prepare you guys for like the production side of things, like working the camera, like how they were going to do promos, like the overall presentation of trying to bring it up to more of a television style wrestling show that we see versus some of the independent stuff that we'll find online? Yeah, they actually brought in some international folks for their um, production, some people that were from Portland. I've been working with them at DOA. They've been um, and they had like begun to film school. They're incredibly talented. One of them is still doing um, some like behind the scenes TV production work, not in wrestling anymore. But so they came down and they were staying with us in the hotel we were all put up in. So we spent a lot of time with them and finding out what what they would want. And we had some people, you know, like writing writing the show and then they were really there doing all the cinematography and the production and the editing at the hotel, which was, it was great having them right outside. Cause you know, if something a little wonky happened in a match, you could just go to them and be like, Hey, like you, that doesn't have to make the final cut if you don't want it to <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> knock, knock right outside my door. Hey, remember, remember this whole spot. You can like, you can just cut around that if you want. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really fascinating getting to like learn how to, how to play the cameras more and, and we want you to sort of sell this kind of character with a little bit less do whatever you want and a little bit more Well, we're heading somewhere. And, um, and it all tied in when we were doing like Spanish language, daytime talk show, press circuits, and like it all tied in together. And we had to sort of keep these storylines almost kayfabe on and off of the show. And it was really interesting. It was, it was a wild experience. <laughs> do you think it's definitely made you a better storyteller in the ring and outside? Absolutely. Um, I think it gave me the freedom to be more comfortable doing things that are a character, that are a little bit outside of what I would normally do. Before that, um, the first time I was asked to be like a baby face on a show, I just felt so uncomfortable because I think I was trying to do something that was too authentic to me and really like be myself. And it felt sort of forced and fake and weird. Um, and then I worked as a heel for a little while and that felt like this character that I was putting on, like I was acting. And then when I went to South America, they had me be a face again. And in the context of being not just, hey, go be a face of some kind, but hey, we want you to be this face that is sort of this very specific um, American girl next door comes out to Taylor Swift, wears these kinds of outfits, makes these kinds of facial expressions. These are the sorts of lines we want you to hit. Really helped me understand that like, I can sort of put on enough of an act that I don't have to feel so vulnerable as a face. And ironically, that helped me be more vulnerable as a face and to really understand that like, I can be me and just kick it up a little by starting by exploring this other character that was only tangentially related to me. Right. So when you were going through all that, would you say was harder to be a babyface versus if you were being a heel just because of how much kind of extra nuance there was with it? For me at first, it definitely was. Um, Cause I really took comfort in doing something that felt pretend that felt like, I, like I was saying, like as a heel, I felt like I was acting. I was putting on this character that I, were things I would never do or say in real life. And just being like, generally kind and smiley sort of were things that I would do in real life. And I didn't really know how to make that connect with people in a stage that has to be as big and dramatic as wrestling. Um, so going through this, like this experience made it easier for me to do that than it was when it started. 
Nice. So kind of fast forwarding a little bit, you come back yeah. to Portland, you're back at DOA, mm-hmm. and you end up winning the DOA tag team titles with your trainer, Dr. Cleaver, as part of Surgical Steel and Sex Appeal. Yes. So how was that experience, <laughs> like winning your first championship, and let alone with uh, your head trainer, no less? It was truly magical. Like, people always talk about there's this, like, don't be a mark, titles don't matter, like, how dare you get excited or count your belts or whatever, and and I, I see that side of things, but I think that also titles can be made to mean more than that. And for me, that one specifically really did mean something. It was this company that had birthed me and grown me, um, telling me that they were seeing something more now, that I was that I was ready for something else. And they, um, when I first started, I told you there were very few women. And I am grateful to have done it, but it's one of the reasons that I wrestled Mary Jane Payne every show for like two years because there just weren't any, there wasn't anyone else. Um, And I remember there was a day where we were learning uh, tag team wrestling psychology and tag team moves. And two of the other students that I sort of, we all came in at the same time and all started going out on the road together and were really like a trio in wrestling at first. Um, they were learning all this tag stuff and they pulled me aside and had me learn to manage instead, which has pros and cons. I'm really glad that I learned to manage. I have spent a lot of time managing um, exclusively on shows. I've done some TV companies that at the time were like, we're not doing women's wrestling. We have a great manager spot for you. And honestly, I love managing. I think it's so much fun. Um, it's, it's a really different way to interact with the crowd and I love it. And I'm glad that I was trained in it specifically. I think that there's sort of this misunderstanding that if you've been trained to wrestle, you inherently know how to manage, which you don't because it's a different skill set. So I'm glad that I learned it. But I remember being upset at the time because they were learning to wrestle more and I wasn't. And I asked them about it. Why? Why are they learning to tag team wrestle and I'm learning to manage? And they said, well, we'll never have enough women here for a tag team women's division. So how and did you if, break the door open to bring about intergender wrestling with that division? Um, a lot of it always comes from the invisible work that the people before you did um, that maybe don't get enough credit. So like Mary Jane Payne was not the first woman in DOA to win a, a men's or intergender title. I was. But she was the first one to have taken a lot of really hellacious bumps from dudes. Um, And they often weren't in sanctioned matches. If they were, they were only comedy matches where maybe the men were all dressed up in drag to sort of make fun of her. But she did it first. Enough that it helped open the door. Uh, Beyond that, just a few hours north, there was Nicole Matthews um, winning the ECW Heavyweight Championship. Um, and people were seeing that and seeing that it works. They were seeing Candace doing what she does and seeing that it works. And a lot of it is that they were just seeing me get better and sort of plateauing. And I was having the same match over and over again. And there were men that I was training with that were like, well, I want to wrestle you. Like we would have a fun match. Like this would be a good match that we would have. It doesn't make any sense that we can't have it. Um, so, uh, Derek Drexel, who was helping book at the time and who's one of my trainers, 
sort of was like, I agree, but I don't know how the crowd will feel. So let's do it as a tag team first. And then you'll sort of have this male heavy to counterbalance you if the crowd starts to feel uncomfortable. And once we get that, once we get the crowd comfortable with you doing intergender wrestling that way by having this like other man that you can tag to if the crowd starts to get weirded out, um, then they'll have be desensitized to it. And then we can bring you in as a, a regular intergender wrestler without having to sort of explain it to the crowd from the very beginning. Um, yes. So uh, did they really start to see you as a serious contender in the division just with how they eased into it? Didn't just like go out of the blue, Hey, you're wrestling these guys and you're going to go over. So was the crowd really invested into watching you become that contender into a champion? Yeah, I think so. And I was, um, I had been a heel there since the day I got back from South America. Um, actually, even before that, um, six six months or a year before I even left for South America with the heel, and I came back and I kept doing it. Um, and I had enough of that heat behind me that I was able to do these intergender matches as a heel woman against babyface bigger men, and the crowd was there for it, and they bought it, and they believed it. Um, because I had I had done enough previously with women's matches, and then with tag matches and then with intergender matches for them to just like accept that this is a story that they were being told. It didn't really take much explaining. Um, there would be moments where I think because they had, they had seen me grow for so long, the crowd would sort of like when I won the title, there was this big uproarious like, woohoo. And then later they were like, Oh right. No, we hate you. We remember now. <laughs> yeah, it happens in a lot of promotions. So I can only imagine. <laughs> Like, I'm supposed to be beating you, but you deserve this. And like, but I'm so proud of you. I'll go back to hating you tomorrow, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's cool. And then uh, also around this time, you started to mix it up with some of the bigger names along the indie circuit. I know one of them would be Sue Young, who yes. had his career renaissance over in Shine. So what was it like working with her? Oh my gosh, she is so much fun. And she doesn't look like it all, but she's also the sweetest. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was really lucky to work with her at this like weird little one-off out in the middle of Eastern Oregon. It was like an accidental somebody no-showed. We're going to switch all the matches up. Now all of a sudden you're wrestling Sue. Um, and I, I got misted like a champ. My skin was red for like three days and I was proud of it. Um, and then I got to wrestle her again at Defy. And and man, I would love to keep doing so. She is She's so easy to work with and so fun and imaginative. Um, it's great. Yeah, and then seeing get or seeing her get to do a lot of stuff with Impact in the Knockouts divisions. Awesome yeah, see how her career kind of progressed into the Undead Bride. So yes, I I love what Impact has been doing with their Knockouts division, and and having seen all these people that I've worked with sort of have these interesting character renaissances in in that storyline, like watching um, Chelsea Green develop into this like hot mess jilted bride character was just mind-blowing right and then the evolution of Allie from assistant to wrestler to mm -hmm. how she is now she's if there's dark alley say is that the impact wrestling knockouts have been killing it as far as storytelling goes it'd be awesome to see you mix it up with them eventually oh well thank you i'm lucky to have not on that stage but on other stages to have mixed it up with a lot of them separately <laughs> right 
And then uh, going into some more uh, recent stuff, I know you got to mm-hmm. go to the first Rise show at a Shimmer Weekend in the yeah. Rise Championship Tournament. How was it working inside the Berwyn Eagles Club? Because it's such a notorious venue for great women's wrestling. It was wild. I was, I was such a mess about it. I was like shaking on the flight there, and I was, I was afraid to talk to people. Like I was so starstruck I always talk about how because I didn't grow up watching wrestling I'll like meet these people that are legends and just be like hi I'm Kate who are you oh Jake the snake cool bye like I don't know who most of these people are and then I'm walking into the shimmer locker room being like oh my god I can't talk to any of these people that's Candice LeRae I'm gonna have to go throw up like (laughs) I just had such I had such a different um experience interacting with these like women that I had so admired on indie wrestling versus um, I was like, Oh, I finally get like how my friends feel when they go do extra work. <laughs> right. So did they have this a seminar that, that weekend like they've been doing lately as well? Yes. Yes. Um, it was a seminar first and this was the first one that they'd ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, I signed up for it right away. I was like, Saray and I, I've worked with her. She's the best. I'm doing it again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and it's a shimmer weekend. Great. It's worth it. So I signed up to do that, and then oh, there was this whole weird, we had to do, like, like promos that got fan voted on that decided if we were going to have guaranteed matches or if we had to, like, fight for matches at the seminar. And and me and um, Heather Monroe, who's part of the Killer Bays in L.A., we actually, Kevin Harvey called us before he, like, went live to tell us, like, just so you know, like, this is 100% a shoot. Your promo's tied exactly. So you're just going to wrestle each other in an advertised match. Like, it's too perfect. Um, So instead of one person getting this guaranteed spot, it was the two of us because we legitimately had exactly the same number of votes on this, like, promo-based poll competition. Um, And then, yeah, and I went on to do the the Phoenix of Rise four-way match with um, Angel Dust, who's now Zoe Sky, Delilah Doom, and Britt Baker. So I can only imagine a brand new championship. It's Shimmer Weekend. The the buzz in the crowd must have been electric. How was it wrestling in that kind of atmosphere for the first time? Well, let me tell you that when they told us that the match was for the title and they pulled the title out of the bag in the ring, that was the first time that they told us that this match was for a title. Oh, wow. No one knew. They wouldn't tell us. It was legitimately a surprise. So any reactions that you see in the ring are like, oh, I have to be reacting to this in front of the crowd. Because um, we didn't we didn't know ahead of time. It was a, there's going to be a special match. And that's all that we knew. And we didn't know whether or not we were going to be in it until that day. Like it was it was all really chaotic and hectic. And, and I don't know that I even had time to like process how the crowd was reacting because I was too busy processing like what the match is because we didn't even know yet until like five minutes beforehand. And, and we're like trying to run through the curtain, but somebody's still wrestling out there and they have to come be in this match. And it was, it was actually chaos, but it was so much fun. (laughs) And then I know from there, it also helped you get a dark match at shimmer 89 too against Angie Scott. How was that experience? That was, it was really intense. Um, I, uh, I have a hard time sort of even describing what it was like. I had, I had that match and then, um, 
there were really sadly a lot of injuries on that set of shimmer tapings. There were at least a couple of concussions. Um, so there was a lot of like rise girls be ready. Mm-hmm. Hey, rise girls be ready. Like we might need one of you. And I actually, and this is due to no, no fault of anyone. And I don't think anyone was trying to, <laughs> to make me have any kinds of feelings. It was just very chaotic and figuring things out at the last minute is hard but I was actually told to fully gear up and then never mind to gear back down two different times during those shimmer tapings. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, this is the match you're having. We need you to gear up, get ready. It's in two matches. And then, you know what? Never mind. We're having somebody else do it. Thank you so much. You can put your jeans back on. <laughs> oh, um, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I can only imagine just the chaos because shimmer in itself is just a moving chain of, like, we got to keep the ball going. We have to tape four volumes in two days. So would you oh, yeah. be open to four vol- for the next right. time uh, they offered you another weekend there? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that Shimmer is is the one of the biggest reasons that women's wrestling is where it is. And it's one of the reasons that we have things like the WWE Women's Evolution going on right now. I mean, one of the reasons that weekend was so chaotic is because most of the women that held their titles were all leaving to go start their contracts within the next couple of months. Um, there was a huge outflux of people sort of getting called up out of shimmer into WWE. So it was a, that was an exceptionally chaotic weekend. And I think since then they sort of all have been with this, like people getting poached up into all of these different wrestling, wrestling climates. Um, but yeah, my, my time at, um, at that shimmer show was, was so much fun. And it's one of the most like special locker rooms I've ever seen I think that there's sort of this trope that when you get a lot of women together it'll get really catty and competitive and and this locker room wasn't that at all it was really um warm and welcoming and supportive and and it didn't have to be it very much could have been a catty and competitive environment and and the only competition was like friendly competition and and everyone was there to help each other and give each other advice and it was really great i would i would of course go back who wouldn't go back to shimmer <laughs> that is nice to hear uh, is there any dream match on the current shimmer roster that you would want to uh square it up with pretty soon oh boy um i am a really big fan of solo darling <laughs> she is she is so much fun the sugar creature oh man um the last podcast i did i said tessa blanchard is one of my dream matches um, who are, oh man, there's, there's a bunch of people. There are people that I've wrestled that I would love to wrestle. I would love to wrestle Sue Young again. I would, um, love to go back and rework with people like Delilah Doom that I only had that like brief four way with. And now it's been years and Heather Monroe. I would love to go back and like have a singles with her now that we've both progressed in our careers since then. Nice. And then, uh, trying to go a little bit further back to the Pacific Northwest before we move on to what we're up to now. I did sure. mention, uh, competing in Defy. I know, uh, one yeah. that stands out was against Angelina Love and Sue Young. How was that, uh, three-way? Oh, man. <laughs> Have you watched that, that show? It's okay if you haven't. I haven't gotten a chance to, unfortunately. That's, that's fine. Every, every company has their own crazy streaming service and it's tough to watch them all, but that uh, we were actually um, doing our entrances and and I think Sue was out first and then me and then Angelina. And she's doing her entrance. She jumps up in the turnbuckle, fire alarm, vacate the building. <laughs> 
I'm not kidding. Like everyone had to go outside in the Seattle rain and wait for them to clear the building before we could go back in. And they were like, I guess just start wrestling now. And we were like, ah, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> so I can only imagine Sue probably has like half her face paint already gone just because of the rain. And... Oh, luckily she's so bloody that you can't tell. Good, good. But, <laughs> um, but so we had, we had some work to do in that match to, I think, get the crowd back after this like weird cold, forced intermission in the middle of what was supposed to be like leading into the main and um and it was pretty chaotic so we had we had some work to do in the opening minutes of that match but it ended up being a really good time we had some really fun stuff in there nice and i think you'd be in great hands to angelina what a six-time knockouts champion too so. oh my gosh i know she's done so much yeah and then uh kind of bringing things to a close in the pacific northwest when you were uh mm -hmm. Finishing things up, one last match with Mary Jane over at DOA. How did yeah. was, uh, that getting ready to uh, transition over to the East Coast? Um, I didn't. I didn't think that I would have that many feelings about it. I was just sort of like, yeah, cool. Like I've done this. Now I'll do something else. And and I that match with MJ, it, it ended, and I just like went to do a little wave to the crowd, and I just started sobbing, like legitimately crying in the ring, so awkwardly, and we hadn't. Like, people knew from social media that I was leaving, but we hadn't, like, done a promo or made an announcement. So, like, people who didn't follow me, like, I'm just standing in the ring, like, sobbing after I, I don't even remember if I won or lost, but whatever. This match ends, she rolls out, and I'm just, like, sitting there alone crying. I can't imagine what, like, people at their first show thought. <laughs> I just hope people were leaning over being like, she's moving away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, you always have, like, the one uh, segment of the show where it's just like, oh, I think this is what's happening now, so let's just go along with it. Like, Right, you're like, I, I think this is real. Yeah, but it was it was really nice. There were, like, little girls that brought me bouquets of flowers, and I had, like, thank you cards from fans, and it was, it was really overwhelming. Nice. And then uh, to move things along, you go from mm -hmm. this is scenic Pacific Northwest to lovely Buffalo. How did that yes. uh, come about for you? Well, I was actually born in Buffalo. Okay. Um, and then my mom likes to say that we fled when I was three. <laughs> three or four. Yeah, we, uh, we moved to Portland when I was in 1996. Uh, so I grew up in Portland. I lived there my whole life. But Portland was getting really expensive, to be honest. Yeah, I and I had, I had wrestled it almost all of the companies there uh, new ones have since opened that I, I would like to go back and hit some time on a vacation. But <laughs> at the time I, I had wrestled at just about all of them. And actually three, two, one battle was, was the last one on my bucket list. And I wrestled there like two days before I moved. So it was perfect. Um, and so I have a lot of extended family in Buffalo. I have aunts and uncles here and, and you know, all your States are way smaller on this coast. Like, you can actually get to another state in less than three hours. Um, that's and that's helpful. That's helpful for wrestling. Like, the Pacific Northwest has Portland, which has some companies. And then you can drive three hours north to Seattle, which has some companies. And then you can drive three hours north to Vancouver, which has some companies. And that's it. That's all of them. That's everywhere there is to wrestle. <laughs> yeah, then you think around here, it's just like, oh, I go an hour south, I'm in Erie. Or, like, you go up to uh, Niagara Falls, Toronto, Hamilton, and Canada, too. So it's just, we're unintentionally in a hot spot of just different places to hit in a couple hours, if anything. 
It's amazing. It's amazing. And one of the things that's so fascinating to me, just the difference in, in wrestling culture, is that you don't have to drive very many hours before the scene is completely different. Like all of the people that wrestle in Portland know all of the people that wrestle in Vancouver. They may not be in all of the same shows together, but they've at least both wrestled on that show in Seattle and they they all have all the same friends. And it's still very much one scene, whether or not they're six hours away from each other. Whereas here, like I went and did a show in um, near Utica like two weeks ago mm-hmm. and I didn't know anybody. I was like, I'm not even three hours away. And this roster is like 98% wrestlers I've never met before. Like how, how it's so mind blowing to me as someone who was like, you mean there's more than one option of cities to drive to on a Saturday? Like <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like one of those things where it doesn't hit you until it hits you. And it's just like, Oh, okay. Right. Right. There's just so many choices. And we have um, at Grapplers Anonymous, the training school in Buffalo, we have a, whiteboard of like all of the shows that are upcoming and people are always walking in and being like oh yeah there's only two shows on that day but i'm doing this i just found out about this one you have to add like two more i'll be like how how are there so many shows all running on the same day like it happens all the time here because there's so many more cities within the same driving distance like you know from portland you can drive six hours north to vancouver you drive six hours south there's no companies because it's all still oregon so, like, if you did that six-hour diameter out of Buffalo, how many cities would you have for people willing to do the same amount of? Yeah, for people willing to do the same amount of driving that, like, the poor rookie greenhorns in Portland are doing to work two shows. Like, how many more cities could they hit? It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I know we just briefly mentioned it, but Grapplers Anonymous. How's it training with Brandon Thurston and uh, Pepper Parks over there? I really love that training school. Um, It's been instrumental to me in my transition to to Buffalo. DOA um, training school closed down a while ago. They just lost the building and they still like run some seminars before shows, but they don't have a school anymore. And when that happened, I really felt like I lost a wrestling home. Like I had all these companies that I went to, but those were just shows, you know, they weren't consistent. And and Grapplers Anonymous has really given me a place that feels like a wrestling home again and a really solid community of good people and hard workers. And And I've been really lucky to have um, all these like brand new day one wrestlers come in while I've been there. Um, and and Brandon Thurston's actually been wonderful about letting me like help teach them stuff and and like go over like basic, basic day one training day with people and now some of those people are like having matches and I'm like going to their shows and crying like a proud wrestling mom. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just such a, I don't think I ever thought that I would use this word to describe a wrestling school, but it's wholesome. Like there's still ribbing and swearing and gross jokes and all the normal wrestling, wrestling, wrestling locker room stuff. But like at its core, it is a wholesome place. And and the goal, the mission statement of Grapplers Anonymous is not just to make good wrestlers, but to make wrestlers that make wrestling better. And not just the wrestling that happens on shows, but the way that wrestling is in locker rooms and the way that wrestlers interact with each other and with fans and with promoters and the way that we handle 
money within wrestling and injuries within wrestling. Like it's a, it's a good wholesome school. And I'm, I'm so glad that I like found a home there. Yeah. And there's such a good reputation with people coming in and out of that school. So it's nice to see other people that besides the Buffalo brothers, that people are starting to see pop up everywhere. It's nice to know that there's so much talent coming in and out of that school. And there's, there's more kids there now that are like having their, one of them had his first practice match last night. Um, at training and we were all like out of our chairs like screaming and cheering him on and, and he was killing it so there are all these kids there that are training that like no one's even seen yet no one's heard of them no one knows they're on their way out but soon you'll be at a show and they'll be debuting and you'll be like Ano another one out of grapplers are you kidding me there's more because <laughs> they just I know, keep coming I'm just getting hard to keep up with everything because between ESW and Nickel City I'm just like okay, I get there's that much talent. We're going to need a third promotion or a fourth one. Or... <laughs> I know. We're all going to have to start driving to Rochester and the Erie and so we can watch so we can watch all these grapplers kids have their matches. Yeah, and the fight parties will bring up uh, Rochester in a little bit, but I know mm -hmm. uh, recently this past summer you would actually debut at Empire State Wrestling uh, in a mixed tag. So what was it like uh, being on that card? Because I know uh, the big draw that night was Joey Ryan being in the building. So to have a mixed tag or an intergender tag with someone who's known for intergender wrestling, what was the atmosphere like? It was great. I was really glad that it was on that show. I was... Um... There was a point where we were trying to figure out who was going to be Thurston's partner. Um, and I just kept walking around being like, I mean, Joey Ryan is going to be on the show, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, and then I, I pitched Spinelli because I had known her for so long and she was only an hour away. And I was like, I mean, if she's free, guys, if she's free, I highly recommend adding Spinelli to any show that you have running, please, especially if it's against me. because That's my favorite matches to have. Um, so I was, oh, I was so glad that it was Thurston and Spinelli as a tag team. Like these are two people that have been so helpful to me in wrestling, like in, in teaching me stuff. Yes. Teaching me some wrestling and technique and making me like look at different kinds of matches, but also that have just, um, been really helpful in encouraging me and telling me to try stuff and helping me have confidence in myself. Um, I don't think either of them would ever feel comfortable if I like said that they were my trainer <laughs> because I had been trained when I met them. Right. So if I was like, yeah, they were, there were some trainers that I had, they would both be like, Nope, that's weird. We're like your friends. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but even then I still think that they deserve all of this, all of this respect and accolades for having just been so supportive and helpful and, educational to me when they did not have to neither of them had to open up their schools and their spaces and their wrestling minds to me and they both chose to and then I got to wrestle them both at the same time for my debut at the big company in Buffalo that I had just moved to with like a bunch of my new friends on it and it was great it was great um the match was it went a little bit wonky um <laughs> Spinelli <laughs> Spinelli was a little bit late coming from the border and that was a little bit stressful and then oh boy I'm not kidding. They're playing my music. And someone from, from Grapplers was like, hey, good luck tonight. Goes for the high five. Misses my hand, hits my eye, pops my contact out. Oh, boy. So you're wrestling so, <laughs> Well, no. I'm trying to get it back in while my music plays. <laughs> and my tag partner, Jack, I was, he was like, okay, I'll go out there now. I'll go out first, and I'll try to, like, 
jack with the crowd to buy you some time while you get your contacts back in. And Spinelli's there being like, just calm down, you'll be fine. So I'm like rushing my contact back in while the music's playing. Finally, we come out. I can see again, thank goodness. And then um, actually about halfway through the match, um, my partner Jack's shoulder came out. Oh, wow. It, it dislocated halfway through. Um, and this had happened once or twice before, but it had been better for a really long time. So we weren't that worried about it. And he reaches in for the hot tag. And as he's tagging, he just goes, it's out. So you can see this moment on my face when I get tagged in and I have this like, <gasps> what do we do? Because <laughs> the finish is, of course, an armbar. <laughs> right. On a dislocated shoulder. And he just pushed through. He finished the match. We did everything more or less as planned. Um, and and it was it was a really impressive showing on, on all accounts. I think, as I always think about every match I've ever had, that it could have been better, but uh, it definitely, definitely could have gone worse. It was at least good enough that I get to keep wrestling there on it seems like a semi-regular basis. So. Right, because I know uh, the first time I actually got to see you was uh, this past August when you had Allison Kay's first indie match back after yes. for most of 2018, and I thought you did great. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. That was terrifying. I was so scared. Have you seen her? Have you seen her? The first indie show I ever went to, it was her and Allie in the ring. It was just like, there's something about Allison where just like, you see her come out, she's not so much stoic, but you just have the vibe of like, oh, I won't mess with you. You're good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also how I felt. Um, But it was, it was so much fun. I would love to wrestle her again now that we've like worked once and have sort of felt each other out and it was a great time. I was, I was really glad that I got to do that. I got a message from ESW with this like, "Hey, like, do you happen to be free this day?" And I was like, "Uh, actually, yeah, I am." And they were like, "Cool, you want to wrestle Allison K that day in like two weeks?" And I was like, "Yes, yes, I do. Even if I wasn't free, I would be free. Thank you." Yeah, I think it's also <laughs> funny because it was like right after the May Young Classic tapings too. So it's just like, I don't know if you could get any more high profile for that kind of first singles match, but I think. You oh my gosh, I know. And we had some weird, I think because of the classic, there was some weird like streaming rights. Um, so I don't, I think we were trying to stream the show. So we had to go on before the stream started. There was, I know that there was some weird like timing juggling due to like contractual May Young classic stuff. Right. So I can only imagine working around like a conglomerate like WWE for something yeah. like that. But yeah, if anyone uh, was looking for that match, I think it's on Power Slam TV. If I yes, I believe I believe that's where it is. I think the rest of the show aired on Twitch, and that was a Power Slam exclusive. Right. I so, think. And then uh, going into some other stuff over here. Mm-hmm. I know recently at Russell Bash, you were in an intergender battle royal for the last spot in uh, ESW's Battle <laughs> Cup, which is basically the money in the bank. So. Right. Know, and uh, And they told me I was the first woman to ever do so. Yeah, I know. I saw them. Like, oh my gosh, she has to do something crazy in there. <laughs> they um, that was another one actually where ESW was like, "Hey, are you gonna be at this show?" And I told them, I was like, "I'm sorry. Do you think I'm gonna miss the Spirit Squad? Of course, I'm gonna be there." And then they were like, "Cool, want to be in the Battle Royal?" <laughs> yeah, I know Mondo was supposed to be there, but something happened, so it's just Kenny. But like. We were all packed in this building in uh, Niagara Falls. The crowd was hotter than I've ever seen an ESW show. And you just see everyone getting major reactions, too. So. Yeah. And I was I was a little bit nervous because I had been um, 
uh, I had debuted as a heel at ESW and, and once it was this like all men's battle Royal, I was like, you guys, like, we all know what's going to work the best here. Right. <laughs> like, I just have to come out and go, yeah, that's what I have to do. Like, the, well, I mean, that's when, the story. <laughs> well, if Cloudy's in the same match as you, is anyone really else a heel? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Who I then got to wrestle again on the next DSW. I know. And like this ripcord DDT you hit on him. I don't think there, that was probably one of the smoother moves I've ever seen just out of nowhere to transition into it. So that was awesome. And just, well, thank you. Yeah. And I don't know how he does. It's just like, he walks out. First of all, he walks out to like a remix of boyfriend by Justin Bieber. So if that doesn't get you booed, I don't know what will. And then <laughs> just, he manages to turn up like the heat stink. I don't know how he doesn't just whoever you're trying to get over as a baby face, just go against cloudy. Yeah, put him against put him against Cloudy. Yeah, and then I uh, know because that was a six-person tag we had at the last show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, the Interstate Champion Frankie Feathers, and uh, we mm-hmm. were guys had a grapplers Kenny Brown against Cloudy. Downtown Cloudy. Kenny Brown. Yeah. And uh, Captain <laughs> Nick Ando. So how was it? Well, first of all, that was the sh- opening moment of the show too. So how was it mm-hmm. setting off uh, what was going to be a huge night in the promotion? It was great. I knew that I knew that it was going to be a fun match. That was. The, the role that we had on that show was to just have a bunch of fun, right? Like, you can't have that group of people and be like, okay, if you could have less fun, please. Like, <laughs> like that's just all that we had to go out there and do was have a great time and make sure that the crowd had a great time. Like, yeah, we're gonna and it was great. not do the Carlton after the match. I know, like, that's his music, but no, we can't have that. We're going to run long, like... <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was that was a fun match, and um, and Kenny ended up being like a last minute. Oh, we need somebody. He's been working so hard at Grapplers. He was here doing ring crew, like um, so. It was really nice to get to sort of help shepherd him in onto onto one of these shows. Right, and then I know that night too was actually uh, the first women's main event ESW ever had, which was Victoria uh-huh. Alley. So, how was that locker room atmosphere? Not only having more than one woman there but like two very established names in the business uh was there any sort of exchange you might have had with them and anything that might have uh, helped you go on that night and just turn it up even more right like more than one woman is a big deal let alone three like are you kidding me it's hard to get two in a locker room um but yeah victoria was so nice She was so nice. I was like walking by to do something and she like stopped me and called me over to tell me that she liked my outfit that day. And, and we just like chit chatted about how nervous she was for her match. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> like if anyone in this locker room does not have to be nervous about like going out and wrestling, it's you girl. Like you, you are everything tonight. <laughs> like, what? Um, but yeah. And she was just telling me about how like, you know, she she always still gets nervous because she always wants to go out there and kill it, and and that always feels good. Like when people that that have so many accolades and are so acclaimed and successful and and amazing, they've been doing it long enough that they're on their retirement tour and they're sharing with you that like they that like they still get butterflies. You can be like, I have butterflies, but that doesn't mean I'm not gonna go out there and kill it tonight, right? Like that helps a lot. Seeing people that you admire share that they feel the same way that you feel it was it was a really nice moment yeah and then like i know i always gone on the record and said it but like literally the match that caught me into wrestling was watching victoria versus ashley on raw in 2005 where i saw Willis peak for the first time and like 
oh, this is what wrestling is? Like, it's oh. such a good move. <laughs> it's such a good move. Oh my god, I don't know why more people don't do it. It's such a good finisher. Like, honestly. Because it's one of it's one of those finishers, I think, that like it's hers. Right. So, and then like someone else can do it, but they won't too. be doing her they won't be doing their finisher. They'll be doing her finisher. They right. just happen to be doing like there are a couple moves like that where you can do them, but they're not yours. No, I wouldn't No one else can use the stone cold stunner. Thing and make it theirs. It's always gonna be Stone Cold. And I think the Widow's Peak is like that. Like she was so, so good at like making that moment that like, that's her finisher. You can try, but it's hers. <laughs> right, right. And then uh, kind of going into what's gonna be coming up this Saturday, someone that you've had a couple encounters with already, Katie Arquette's gonna be meeting you in Fairport, which is just outside of Rochester for an ESW show. How's it like having this uh, featured match where not only is it you, but it's also another singles match with another uh, women's wrestler. Yeah, I actually, I just wrestled her um, at Revenge in Erie a couple of months ago. And it was fun. It was the first time we'd gotten in the ring together. And I'm I'm excited to to do more with her now that we know each other a little bit better. We'd met once before, but we hadn't wrestled yet. Um, and I think it'll be really fun. She's a lot of character. She's great character. And I think for like this kind of show specifically, like having her come out with just like all of this sass that she has, like, I don't think there's any way that it's not going to be a super fun time. <laughs> their big fur coat and her attitude, like, ooh. Yeah. And then I know uh, there's something else coming up that I know you wanted to bring up. Uh, what else are you going to be doing in the coming weeks? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really lucky. I have a very busy March since I moved to Buffalo. It was a little bit, a little bit slow on the upkeep on the, the pickup into wrestling. I learned that a lot of uh, pro wrestling dues don't necessarily transfer with you when you move across the country and it doesn't matter how many rings you built on the West coast, you better get back on ring crew. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to do, I had to do some, some drives to do, to build a ring and then not wrestle for a little while until until things started to pick up and, and they, they really have lately. So in March, I actually only have one weekend off and I don't want to book it. I'm very grateful to have my one weekend off. So I'm going to um, what, Immortal Championship Wrestling in St. Johnsville. I'm going to Angel Gate in Pittsburgh. And then I'm really excited. I'm going to make my Detroit debut for old wrestling, which have you heard of them? Are you familiar with this? Oh my God. <laughs> It's just the most fun. It's like all of the things that I love about wrestling. Like I can admire a beautiful technically wrestled match from like a wrestler's perspective, but there is nothing I love more than like fun and showmanship. Yeah, and I, I am think, uh, all about this. Too, if I'm not mistaken, so that's Who is? Like right up, uh, RJ City, I believe. Oh, you mean RJ Metropolis at yeah. <laughs> Old Wrestling? How dare I? I mean, just... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's a better fit in wrestling besides him and a promotion like that. Oh, I know. Yeah, he's going to be there. Um, Gregory Iron's going to be there. Um, I know that Jody Threat is going to be there, like from around this area who who wrestle near here. I know that they'll all be going down too. And I am, I am so excited. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, so I think that's probably going to wrap things up. Uh, where could we sure. follow you online? Yeah, on... 
Um, Instagram, Twitter, I am at Kate Carnage. I'm actually at Kate Carnage basically everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, PlayStation, Xbox, and anywhere there might be a username, that's probably it. Um, <laughs> and then on Facebook, it's dot com slash the Kate Carney. Um, and yeah, I, I occasionally remember to post stuff, but not as often as I should. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's been awesome to have you on. I can't wait to see what you're up to next. And thank you for taking some time out of your day to uh, come aboard with us. Yeah, it was great. This was a really fun interview. It's nice to nice to know that there's some more some more people keeping an eye on the local women's wrestling scene around here. We, I really appreciate you putting the word out about us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's not often I get a chance to do it, so anytime I can uh, help share the word, I will. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening. We will catch you guys on the next episode of Siren Sound Off here at SportsFocusSirens.com.